just trying to fight to stay in the game. This one is a rocket into left and gone. 5-0 Atlanta here in the third inning as Duvall goes deep. What a start to game one for the Braves. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Adam Hill across the way at Cofield. Hour two is here. Let's bring in Brian Blessing, hockey expert, gambling expert, longtime Las Vegas, Buffalo Bills fan. What's up, Brian? Fellas, how's everything going? Pretty good. Uh, should I bet on the Astros for the series? Uh, well, that's not, that is not a good start. I like Houston tonight. Okay. I, the series I, is, is interesting, but I do, I, do, I do like Houston tonight. All right. I that mean, I, I don't have any great conviction on who's going to win win four games in this thing. I, I think Houston might light them up tonight. That was a talk about a bad beat last night. You know, the totals eight or eight and a half, depending where when you bet it, and you get the one kid hits up, you know, three inches below the yellow line and gets mowed down at second. It's, <laughs> and then then they hit a home run that curls just fouled of the foul pole. There were like four chances in the last run to put that thing over. Didn't happen. All right. Well, that was a good long answer. I just got the Astros at plus one forty-five for the series. Okay. I think it's a smart move. But you, you, you mean, didn't say that on the front end of it. I just I just almost defied no, your. No, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's a bad move. I I personally I don't have the any conviction on it, but I would wouldn't say it's a bad move. I mean, how about Kansas City fourteen to one to win a Super Bowl? I mean, are you? You know, I know it's been a dumpster fire. You're telling me you don't think these guys can't write the ship on the back end of this thing, and they win three in a row. They're going to be seven to one in in a month. I would like it. I was also looking at uh, prices to make the playoffs for the Chiefs. I just got the Chiefs at fifteen to one. Anything you say today, Brian? I'm betting immediately. Oh no! I'm, I'm going to wow. make ten bets while you're on. Bet Virginia in the first half against BYU. Well, slow down. I can't, I, I can't go rocket. Right I, I got your games. We're going to get to them. I got your games. The problem. The problem with the. Uh, the problem with the Chiefs, Brian. Sorry to to go back to what you were talking about. Um, like they, you know, they're three and four right now. I think, of course, they can write the ship. I think they can. There's subtle things that they can do differently. And I, I was actually reading about the turnover luck of the Chiefs this year. Uh, they've had the best turnover luck possible the last couple of years uh, where Mahomes is just making turnover-worthy plays all over the place and they're not resulting mm. in interceptions. This year, he has the same amount of turnover-worthy plays as he has turnovers. That means every single time he's made any kind of play that could be a turnover, it's resulted in a turnover, which is insane. That's not going to continue, uh, but it also wasn't going to continue the other way where you know less than half of his turnover-worthy plays were turning into turnovers. Uh, but here's the problem. They should roll this week. No question. They're playing the Giants at home. They should roll. Then they've got Green Bay, yep. at Raiders, Dallas. Now, after that, the schedule lightens up in the second half, although they still have a game at Cincinnati, uh, which is pretty good. But it's not like the, ske- the schedule gets easier than it's been the first seven weeks, but it's not like they're playing. And they know, still control games. their destiny, Adam, in the division. Sure. But, you know, I mean, they- that's going to mean you know winning on the road against the Chargers, sweeping the Raiders. Like it is, it's not easy in that division. But I wouldn't put it past them. No, no, I wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't. All right, another bet question. Let's react to what the Golden Knights did last night. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about what they did last night. What do you think? What went right? They were on the road. 
they played a smart road game and Colorado did what Vegas had been doing. And I'm dumbfounded by Bednar and the Avs. That's exactly how Vegas beat him in the playoffs. And these boxer rocks just kept doing the same thing time and time again last night. They couldn't even get it in the zone on the power play. They kept trying to, hey, look how fast we are. They kept trying to skate through Vegas at the blue line. And Vegas turned into Montreal and the Islanders poke checking it away and coming back the other way. Colorado, I mean, hey, they desperately needed to win. Get the two points. Get out of there. Leonard's been playing perfectly fine. But you go, oh, wow, that's weird. They beat Colorado. Colorado's playing like hot garbage right now, too. So it doesn't matter. You beat who's in front of you. You get the two points. Can they go to Dallas tonight and, you know, build something here? The other team, it's very early in the season, but the other teams in the division are racking up points. And the bottom line is, you know, they should get a bagel shop as a big sponsor because the power play is still a big old bagel heading all the way to back last year. Did the uh, Knights have some travel issues going to Dallas? I didn't hear see the specifics of it, but apparently their plane was delayed a little bit. How how late it was, I don't know. All right. So uh, I don't know if you're going to fire on the game tonight, so what do you do? Knights are plus 140, stars back at minus 160. I am actually not because I don't know what I'm getting from Vegas one night to the next. And in Dallas is always one of these teams where – they're they're a hard team always to get a read on. You got Huboden going versus Brassois. Normally you'd stare at that and go, hmm, should get some goals in this game. But I mean, you know, Vegas, they won last night, but they still can't shoot it in the ocean. The one thing I will say, they looked fast last night. That that was the maybe the the best thing. And I loved Wad jumping in, stick up for a teammate. They just look like they haven't been having fun. They're squeezing the stick. Let's see if maybe the win prompts them into doing something. And then they come home and you play Anaheim. So then I'm not saying that loss or the win last night is completely chucked away. But you want it to really mean something. Find a way to at least get a point, win this game tonight. Then you're coming home against Anaheim and you better win that one because then you're going on a four-game Eastern road swing. And they're not playing the toughest teams in the East, but when you're not playing good – you know, none of those games you can take for granted. The way they're playing right now, you can't take any win for granted. I was wondering, you mentioned Wah going in uh, after Colasar took that big shot last night, which resulted in all the all the penalties on both sides. Uh, as, as a guy who's, you know, followed hockey for a long time and been around it for a long time, do you have to win? Like, he jumped in there, but then he got his butt kicked. No. Is it still the same impact? Yes. Yes. I mean, even if he got pummeled mercilessly, the fact is you're sticking up for a teammate and you're not going to push us around. And, it, and it's more about you can't push us around. Yeah, sure, you want him to land a couple of rights, give the guy a black eye or whatever, but it's more we're not going to take it. I mean, it's it's whoever's next to whoever it is. If it's the smallest guy on the team and that hits made, whoever it was had to jump in there. And this goes back to a thing with Flurry. I don't know what it was, two years ago. And teams were running flurry. And it's like, you can't let anybody sneeze on 29. And this went on and on. And, on. and then finally, we were yapping about it for weeks. And finally, uh, I think it was a Dallas player, the basket kid. He, he bumped into flurry and March or so jumped him. And then Vegas went on a Tootsie roll and won a bunch of games after that. It's all about hockey's an effort thing and a chemistry thing. It really is. Prime Blessing. 
Sirius XM 204 Sports Grid Radio. You can hear him locally on uh, K-Shop. All right. I am not a guy who lays freaking two touchdowns or close to it. But, boy, the Dolphins look like they're a little distracted. Is Tua pissed off because of the trade rumors? Bills handled them pretty easy last time around. What do you think? You're going to lay the points here? Yeah. I mean, and, and it, I know it sounds – you. and I mean this. I didn't bet him against Kansas City. I didn't bet him against Tennessee. And here's the thing. I comfortably laid the 16-and-a-half when they played Houston. I laid the 18, and I know you go broke laying double digits in the NFL. Late 18 with Arizona, and Arizona was asleep and beat Houston by 18. This is a different era in football. First of all, Josh Allen – and Adam, being a former Bills fan, will embrace this. Their biggest rival is Miami. Allen has embraced that probably more than anybody. He has torched Miami since he came into the league. They beat them at Miami in Week 2, 35-0, and played horribly. And last year, in a meaningless game, the last week of the season, in Buffalo, they beat them 56-26. to And they blew the game against Tennessee. I mean, they gave that game away, and they're on a bye. They've been chewing on this for two weeks. I don't think I want to be the Dolphins. Also, if anybody, first of all, you mentioned new era in the NFL. I did see the stat today that uh, do you know how many teams plus seven and a half or more have won outright this year? Uh, I'll answer now. Zero hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet this year where a team getting seven and a half or more has won a game in the NFL. Uh, but if you watched Tua's news conference today, you would probably lay a hundred with the Bills. He ain't oh, having. He ain't having. <laughs> no, that room's a mess. I mean, come on, the kid's looking over his shoulder, and. You know, he can't stretch the field. I mean, I I, hate, I don't know what his long-term prospects are. I don't know that he ever gets to elite status. He's like, a, you know, he's kind of a game manager. He just doesn't have the arm. Well, a, he doesn't have the weapons. But B, he doesn't stretch the field. And listen, the, the Bills knocked him into next week. They're the ones that put him, put him on the shelf in week two. And he's going to be running for his, this offensive line's horrid. He's going to be running for his life again. Okay, we just talked about big numbers. Are you four laying ten and a half with the Bengals against the Jets? I would say no, and I'm not in the business of putting any money on the Jets. But this reeks. This is, you know, it's Cincinnati feeling their oats, fat and happy, beat Baltimore, and yes, they're very, very, very good. But all of a sudden now, you're asking these guys to cover numbers. This advanced number was three and a half. They beat they beat Baltimore and the Jets get freight trained and that number opens nine and a half. I mean I like Cincinnati a lot, but you know, you're getting up for division games and then you're going to play the Jets. I mean, it looks like it just looks like a horrible spot for Cincy. Short week, slobber knocker, Monday night, Saints, Seahawks. You want to play either team? Seahawks only minus three at home against the Jaguars. Saints are getting five and a half against the Bucks. I don't know. I'm going to be in on either game, Steve, but I will tell you this. I watched the Monday night game, and as I'm watching the Monday night game, that was nasty. New Orleans and Seattle, they hated each other. That was a mean, nasty, physical game, and I'm watching the game going, oh, I'd be fading both these teams next week. This is taking a lot out of them. But New Orleans needs the game against Tampa, and Seattle's only laying three and a half. It's Jacksonville coming in. I mean, generally, I'd be I'd be fading both of those teams the way that game was played, but who they're playing has got me kind of on the shelf. Uh, college football, you've been very high on Virginia lately. All right, tough test, late start, on the road, elevation. Bronco Mendenhall brings his team up against BYU, getting two and a half. 
full disclosure, a couple weeks ago, I think I gave you an over in a Eastern Michigan game or something. They might only score 20 points, so that was hideous. And then last week we had the over in the Virginia-Georgia Tech game. It was it was insane. It was a track meet. But I also said to you last week, and I didn't do it, and I'm kicking myself, Virginia starts games like a jackrabbit. It's unbelievable. They come out of the gate well and then usually let the other team back into it, and then it's a coin flip. I'm playing – I'm taking Virginia in the first half. They just start games fast. So I didn't take my own advice last week. I got the over, but I didn't play Virginia in the first half, but I'm going to do it this week. I um, think Virginia comes out of the gate quick. I don't know about winning the game, but, but I think they have the lead at halftime. Michigan State is now four. I got them at four and a half against Michigan. Uh, I think Michigan State's actually going to win by a touchdown. I hope you're right. I mean, believe only a couple of bucks, only a couple. But I took it about five weeks ago. I'm watching Michigan State going. Well, my eyes are deceiving me. These guys look pretty good. I got them at 200 to one to win the whole thing. So I'm rooting big time for them. I like this team a lot, and we're used to seeing Michigan State run, stop the run, plotty, really good defense. This offense is the real deal. And I, after all these years with Harbaugh, it's hard to trust Michigan, isn't it? Yes, I agree. I don't think they've been as good as their record. Um, we got a a flopped favorite situation or a flipped favorite situation where uh, Rutgers was getting points. Now they're the favorite at Illinois. Well, I'm going to call on your your choicey expertise on this one, but it looks like the biggest letdown of the year. It you does. Know, Illinois plays his nine overtime baby football game with the of the cute little two point plays that was fun you know but anyway they walk in there and they get the win i mean they probably could care less if they win another game the rest of the year i i don't know i mean i that's the only reason that number has done that that does illinois vomit after last week but you tell me a little bit more about rutgers what you think they bring to the table well, it's a tough call because I think uh, Shiano off a of bye week is very good. But uh, Illinois Rutgers met up last year, and Illinois actually had to play Isaiah Williams, who's a wide receiver but was a great high school quarterback, a runner, and he destroyed Rutgers. So if Bielema actually looks at the film of last year uh, and doesn't have too much pride to employ what happened last year, he should be using that kid a lot of quarterback uh, instead of Sitkowski, who's hurt, and, and Brandon Peters. Um, what do you think about the nine overtimes, uh, Penn State-Illinois game? I was over at the Suncoast playing horses, and I'm sitting here. I'm trying to concentrate on the, on, on the races, and this game would not end. Yeah. It, it, it was unbelievable. And then they, they ran the Philly special play, and the quarterback's wide open in, like, the second. Yep. First time they did the two-point thing, and the kid <laughs> tripped over his own two feet. And then yep. 40 minutes later, it's still going. Change that rule. That's stupid. I heard your wife called it baby football. Baby football. She, well, she thinks it's baby football when they start on the 25. How come yeah. they're not kicking off? That's eh, overtime. This is what the, she goes. That's baby football. Very critical. I like it. Oh yeah, a lot of opinions in the household. <laughs> she, she, All right, Brian. What do you uh, What do you got coming up this week? Over at the Superbook tomorrow, uh, getting ready for uh, another great weekend. I know you guys will be there on Sunday and uh, Football Central at the Superbook on Sunday. And it, uh, this is nuts. Hockey, NBA, um, college is coming. The Blue Ribbon magazine's out. And I know you guys are getting yeah. ready for the Rebels. It's when does it start? The tenth, November tenth. Oh, jeez, great! One more thing. 
<laughs> pages of the blue ribbon flipping in the microphone. Uh, Adam's, Adam's getting all ready for the college. He already, he's already got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's getting ready for the college basketball draft, and uh, hopefully, all the money situation will uh, will be in line. We won't get into that on the air. I think there's a lot of controversy there. Brian, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right, have a good day, guys. There you go. Inside jokes, inside jokes. Uh, Marcus Arroyo Radio Show is coming up right after Cofield and Company. Actually, 30 minutes after Cofield and Company. It goes down at 6.30 on uh, Wednesdays. It's at Parkway Tavern. This week, it's at Flamingo and 215 location of the Parkway Tavern. You can come out, meet the coach, ask questions to uh, Coach Arroyo. Caleb Herring's unbelievable when you're talking football with him. By the way, he's going to be coming up here in about five minutes. Happy hour at all the Parkway Taverns. Includes uh, chips and salsa for just three bucks. Uh, $4 on the Buffalo Cauliflower, $5 fried pickles, $6 chicken fingers, domestic drafts, house wine, and well cocktails, just 3 bucks. Happy hour at Parkway Tavern. We're there tonight, 6.30 to 7.30, right here on ESPN Las Vegas with the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Have you ever been to some of those defensive meeting rooms? I mean, you wonder why they play defense, and after about two minutes you go, yep. They can never be an offensive player. So, you know, defense is like, it's kind of like a, 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 you know, a dog, a dog chasing a car, you know, just get the guy with the ball. So now back to Cofield and company in the Finley Toyota studio. Tom Brady, Shaq and the fool, like uh, Marshawn Lynch was on the Manning cast. Those guys get people feeling pretty freaking relaxed. Uh, but Brady basically calling defensive players morons. We know he's doing it. Tongue-in-cheek. No one will try to break him in half this week, and if they do, they'll be kicked out of the league. <laughs> uh, Caleb Herring is with us. He played quarterback. Uh, he might also believe that defensive players are pretty stupid. What do you think, Caleb? I agree with him wholeheartedly. No, no, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think they're all complete idiots. I think that they're – I used to take delight in manipulating them, though, like yeah. when they think they're so right and then they're so wrong. Uh, so, I mean, I have fun with it, too. I don't play anymore, so I'm not worried about getting broken in half. So let's get to the topic of the last day or so. And I thought it was uh, follow the crowd with this one. Everyone was jubilant. Ari, give me the Mike Tomlin comments on coaching and potentially uh, going to college football. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay. And then, he, you know, he has to talk about boosters, uh, pockets being deep enough and all that. Um, I thought it was a silly comment from a leverage standpoint. I don't believe the Steelers are as loyal to Mike Tomlin as he believes they are. Caleb, you had a different take on this. You thought it was kind of insulting. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, when you, the back end of that 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 take by Tomlin or that answer, I guess, was um, – was what really changed my view on it when, when he said, uh, I, I think he said Sean Payton and Andy Reid aren't getting this question. Um, and when I heard that, I said, okay, so he's feeling disrespected. He's feeling like as a head coach of one of the premier franchises in the NFL, the professional team, um, I, he feels like it's disrespectful to midseason be getting asked a question about a collegiate job. And from that angle, I said, you know what? I, I get that he's angry and disrespected by it because it is unusual when you step back and look at it from that perspective that none of the other elite coaches, which I think Mike Tomlin has a, an impressive resume as a head coach in the NFL, and especially with what he did with that team last season, as recently as last season with the start that they had, I, I think he has a right to be like, hey, you know, I'm one of the, the top NFL coaches, professional coaches. Why am I being asked about a college football opening and that's you know 
I, so I got the disrespect angle, but then at the same time, I, you know, dialing it back, there's there's a way to respectfully answer that without, like you said, closing any doors and 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 pigeonholing yourself in the event that you do find yourself searching for that next job and um, um, finding a way to pay the bills or, or keep a check coming into your house. Um, if you know, like you said, the Steelers aren't as loyal as you believe they are. But no, I definitely understood off the top the the the, the disrespect angle that Tomlin was coming at it with, and. When I stepped back and thought about it, it, it was weird. It's a little weird to to say that somebody would somehow desire to take a step away from the head coaching job of an NFL franchise that apparently he loves and he's been a part of for a long time to go take a USC job just because they have a lot of money to throw at him. Well, it, it's not just because – first of all, you're completely right. Both completely right about the leverage and everything else. Like if he gets fired, if they lose the next six games and he gets fired – uh, he's probably going to want to be talking to USC. So this is kind of a silly clip to have out there anyway. But you know why Andy Reid and Sean Payton weren't asked about the USC job? Because they weren't just mentioned as one of the top candidates for the job. Like, that's why he was asked. He wasn't asked out of the blue. Hey, would you be interested in this job? That would be silly, and that would be fairly disrespectful. But somebody who's fairly plugged in said Tomlin is one of the top four candidates for the job right now. So, of course, you have to ask. Like, this is not a disrespectful question. This is, hey, you were just mentioned as one of the top four candidates. How'd that happen? That's a fair question. That should be asked. It's silly to respond that way. I, I think I think you're right. It's fair to ask it. But is it fair to ask him? I, I think it's, it's my only issue. Yes. I think it's speculate, speculating about uh, who the next candidate is is, is is speculation's sake. But when you got a guy who's currently, um, you know, you, you don't know if you may have presented a conflict of interest with this person if you ask him that question like and he says well you know yeah i have expressed interest i've i've been interested in that position like, is that the answer we're we're expecting him to give i think the story is something that should be speculated outside of that person because he's like i said actively engaged and i think it's it is his duty at that at point um to as an employee of a different franchise of an nfl franchise to make it clear that he's not been actively seeking out anything he it's not any any mention of his name as a candidate um, by by USC or any other institution is just that they probably Caleb, want him. Caleb, USC giving, wants him. You're giving the right answer, Caleb. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's the I, answer. Like I said, not, it's, not to get it, mad at the question. Be I'll right. tell you right now, it would be incredibly stupid if the Fresno State football head, co head coaching job opened tomorrow. It would be very stupid if somebody came out and said, "I heard Derek Carr is interested and might take the job, might leave the Raiders and take the job." But I'll tell you this. If somebody who was plugged in at Fresno State said it, I would ask Derek Carr at the presser, hey, where did this come from? Why is this out there? Like, I would ask the question if he was mentioned as the top candidate at the job. Like, you have to. I, I And that that's I guess that's just where I don't agree that you have to. I think I think you don't need to ask that question to the person if it puts the person in a compromising position at the time. I don't think it's necessary. I think you can say that or whoever the source of that leak is or whoever the source of that information should be the one getting questioned. Like where are your sources? What what's the what's what's the reason for you mentioning him as a top four candidate? That person should be on the hot seat. That person should be getting grilled about it. Uh, Tomlin, who's like I said, currently employed, shouldn't be having to answer that question at this point because, as a courtesy to him, if there is some negotiation or some transaction happening behind the scenes, I think he has the right to that privacy. Now, I don't think Tomlin's approach and the way his his tone for the answer to the question was appropriate. And I I agree with that. You don't get angry and shoot down a reporter who's who maybe asked a, a question that was uncomfortable at the time. There's a better way to do that. But I, like I said, on the back end of his answer, when he talks about the disrespect of the fact that he's a successful head coach in the NFL 
and other successful head coaches wouldn't even be entertained for that kind of question. Wouldn't be in there, uh, even in the, you know, in the running, wouldn't be thought of as in the running. I think he felt maybe that's just a way that people view him and it's disrespectful. And of course, there's, you know, there's going to be takes where it's the racial line that that was crossed and maybe and, and the just the Mike Tomlin demeanor and how he's been, you know, the tough guy coach for all of his tenure, basically, as a Steeler head coach. I think maybe he showed some loyalty to the Steelers and maybe hopefully got some brownie points in his perspective. But I think the disrespect is why he was angry, not necessarily the fact that a reporter was asking a question that he thought was uh, important to his story or whatever. I think it was just he was frustrated at the disrespect of being a head coach of an NFL franchise, of a professional organization, and being asked about stepping down, essentially, is what going to a college would be. Yeah, you might get more pay, and and that USC may be able to match his salary or better his salary, but stepping down a, a notch on the sphere, on, on, in, the, in the scale of, of football. Um, he, like I said, he's at one of the most storied franchises in the history of football, and to step down from that and go to USC – which is a college, a, a tier down, tier lower um, by that standard, I think is what he's looking at, a pride thing more than it is um, a logistics thing. So I, I think the disrespect is what led to the tone, um, which, I, like I said, I disagree. I, I, don't, I don't think that his tone was appropriate, but I'll, I, I, think uh, I get the angle. I'll phrase it better. Hey, Coach, Carson Palmer, a former NFL player and USC alum, said, you're a wild card if you want out. USC would be interested in you. Is Carson Palmer a moron coach? Go ahead. (laughs) And then, and then he laughs and says pretty much. Yeah. Right. Based on his two. Yeah. He ripped me for calling Carson Palmer a moron. Um, (laughs) All right. Let's uh, before we look ahead to the rivalry game, battle for the cannon, UNLV's at Reno on Friday night, Adam, you had issues with the final drive, UNLV, San Jose state last Thursday, seven minute drive. Yeah. You can't run out of time. In that situation. Now, I think by the time you cross midfield and there's three minutes left, yeah, your your plan is to score as late as possible. But you can't it's you cannot get caught in a position where the reason you don't score is not because you got stopped. It's because you ran out of time. You can't be in that position. Uh, I, I, I agree you don't want to be in that position, but it happens. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you, you have, hold on. Hold on. It happens? Yeah, Have it you does. Seen it happen before, before that game? I've seen a team not be able to put the ball into the end zone and run out of time. Yes, I've seen it a lot of times. With, it, it, it happens. When they got the ball with seven and a half minutes and three timeouts? Yeah, yeah. Because you get down to a situation where you take three sacks or you, you get tackled and bound and don't stop the clock, so you have to burn your timeouts eventually. Um, and then you just don't get the ball in the end zone. And I mean – and then you take an unfortunate sack where you can't get your 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 team lined up and, and spike the ball. That I mean, it happens. It's unfortunate, but there's two minute drives that don't succeed. Like it, that that's that happens in football. Two minute drives, yes. Yeah, and like you said, when you cross the hat, when you cross midfield, it became essentially the last drive of the game. And it's not about time anymore. It's about putting the ball in the end zone. And you, they cross midfield with three minutes left, so you had three minutes to score essentially. Yeah, okay. And then you ran out of time because you didn't get in the end zone. You didn't turn it over. You didn't fail. You ran out of time. You burned your timeouts in the way that you're supposed to burn your timeouts. It's not like they they call the timeout after getting the first down and running out of bounds, and that was poor clock management. It's like your quarterback got sacked inbounds. The clock's running. You call the timeout. It happened two more times, and you call the timeout. And that now time becomes a factor, and you got to get the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left, and you can't. I mean, that's just the way – 
sometimes sports happen. You, like, if you're criticizing anything, it's the fact that they didn't score for whatever reason. And you could say credit to San Jose State for taking it away. Uh, or you could say offense didn't execute what they needed to do to put the ball in the end zone. But I think the fact that the drive took seven minutes isn't where I would point to frustration. I would say, hey, get the protection sewed up so you don't take a sack. Or throw the ball away so you, you don't waste time and don't take a sack in that situation. Those are the things that, yeah, you can point out. But I, the way that the situation unfolded, the way that it was managed by the sideline, I guess, um, I, I really don't see fault there. It's just the way the game unfolded in front of them. And it's unfortunate. It stinks. But, you know, that's 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 football. That's that's winning and losing games. And like I said, credit San Jose State for playing the right coverage and tying it up in the red zone. But again, you know, he did some great things to keep that drive alive for seven minutes. And um, there's a fourth down conversion, some big third down throws by a freshman and um, an injured number one receiver that left the field during that game during that, during that time. So, I mean, they overcame a lot just to stay on the field for seven minutes and keep that drive alive to have a chance at the end. And I think that's what I'm hung up on. And then, yeah, it fizzled out again. It didn't work out, but it, that happens. That's a part of the game. Caleb Herring's with us, former UNLV quarterback. He's part of the Marcus Arroyo Coaches Show. That's coming up at 6.30 right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's talk about the rivalry. Uh, last year, Reno uh, sort of top a lot. I think they're going to do the same thing in this game. Uh, we can talk more strategy uh, during the Coaches Show, but the rivalry itself, UNLV's actually won two of three. They split the last eight. They're four and four. In this case, they're winless going in. They're 20-and-a-half-point underdogs. Caleb, I just want you to talk about the rivalry and the fact that, hey, you were not a, you know, Nevada guy, you were a California guy. How quickly did you pick up on how nasty the rivalry was and, and remind people how you guys did in the rivalry? Cause there were a couple of spots where you got blasted, but you know, in the end you actually, you did get a win and snap a, a win streak, a long win streak in the series uh, that was held by Reno. Yeah. So I, like you said, I'm not from Vegas, so I didn't really know. And I, I know a lot of college rivalries as being a fan, but I, admittedly, UNLV versus Reno wasn't one of them. I, you know, I knew about Oregon, Oregon State, Texas, Oklahoma, all those big national games that get a lot of attention. Um, but UNLV just wasn't on my radar as far as a rivalry game went. Uh, that that quickly evaporated as I got to campus and started to learn about it and um, some of the the vernacular, I guess I'll, I'll say it nicely, that was used uh, to reference the team up north. Um, I was like, okay, that's there's something to that. And then you know that being a, a, a a division one college in the same state. I, I figured, okay, there may be a rivalry there. Um, and the first time I, I actually was involved in the game, I was on the sidelines when Colin Kaepernick was, um, you know, doing his thing at Reno. And I, I felt it on the sideline with some of the upperclassmen and how bitter they were about losing it that way. And then um, for the first time when I went up to Reno, that's I think when it became the most real to me, when I saw the hate side of the rivalry, when I was the hated person. Um, just for wearing the uniform of, of a different university. That's when I felt like, okay, this is a real rivalry game. Like it's it's it means something to these people um, in both communities, in the north and in the south. So, um, I, and then like you said, playing and I didn't win a, a cannon game um, my entire career until my senior year, um, and that was you know sweet for me because I, had, I I mentioned it before to you that I had what I consider my worst college football game up in Reno. Um, and my worst performance as a quarterback, period, in, in my life, that will stick out. And then I turned around and had my most memorable game my senior year. So I experienced every end of the the Reno spectrum, uh, that rivalry game. I, I painted the cannon red, and I watched it wheeled out blue. So um, it, it's intense. It's a very intense rivalry. And like I said, I think it's one of those things you don't really understand and fully grasp until you're playing in the game on the road. And Coach Arroyo and the staff get to do that for the first time, and a lot of – Young guys, Cameron Frill included, and 
<laughs> others that are going to be playing are going to experience that rivalry for the first time. So hopefully they handle it. But I, I enjoy it. It's a fun it's a fun environment for me. And um, like like you said, the, the, the end result is kind of what matters in the thing. But um, it's fun. The atmosphere is always fun whenever the Rebels are up in Reno. So I'm excited for it. Uh, making sure on the field to have um, some mace. I will have some handcuffs, <laughs> and I will also have one of those those old timey things that you would just smack people in the head with. Those slapjacks, I think they're called. So I'll be I will be ready. I'm never going to be uh, where I was like I was in 2019 during the brawl. Yeah, I, I, need, get, I, I need to be equipped. We'll get you a riot shield and and a helmet, <laughs> and and for fun, we'll just get you a whistle too, just to make yeah. sure that you can you can alert people where you are and and kind of do some crowd control down there man because i think yeah, it was crazy. That's a good point. I, for, I forgot about your law enforcement background i will uh <laughs> a whistle is good and i also i mentioned to you that uh i will have i have some plastic work goggles i'm gonna be wearing those the whole game just in case anything's thrown at me there you go man beer in the eye is not a good thing so oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah be careful down there man there all right caleb we'll see you in a little bit <laughs> all right guys take care marcus Oreo radio show coming up at 6 30 right here on espn las vegas on the way back uh, we'll get some uh, betting updates because uh Adam and I, I know, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to bet the Michigan game. I'm probably going head-to-head with you on who I think is going to win the game. But before that, uh, man, don't we love the deep dives? Uh, Joe Buck talking about uh, just how dedicated he is to announcing. I mean, like, really dedicated. Listen to the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show each Wednesday at 6.30, live at the Parkway Tavern. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move, cause time is a wasting. There's such a lot of living. Fat Pack time, Cofield and Company, midway point of the show, a little past the midway point. Got Big Five. Coming up, lots of Raiders in the Big Five, lots of numbers to go through in the Big Five, and a lot more on Mark Davis and I'm sure his brewing anger behind the scenes with all the nonsense around the National Football League with its inconsistencies when it comes down to handing down penalties and disciplinary actions. So that's all coming up on Cofield and company. Great negotiations in NFL history. <laughs> right here, he's like, we need that ball. That's 600. What? Really? So what do you want? A million? No. Oh, no a day with this, Giselle. This a day with on. Giselle and I'm in. Tom? Okay, Tom will do it. No lot. One time. You got it. Okay. A lot of people offended by that. A lot of people offended by that. Um, locker room humor is... And you know what? I'll, I'll listen. We had some good conversations yesterday. Uh, Adam Candy told us, hey, let's listen to women on this. Um, yeah, I, I described, you know, the, my, my scenario yesterday was I, I showed that to my girlfriend, she laughed and then I told her there was outrage and she got completely pissed off at the outrage. Yep. But then, but then we read comments from a, a female columnist on Yahoo who said it was disgusting and, a you know, you're objectifying a very accomplished woman in Giselle Bungeon and treating her like a piece of Halloween, ca- Halloween candy to be passed around. So, um, there's opinions on all sides of things I, on the notion of locker room humor. Right, because I saw a lot of it. A hey, Romo crude. If you tell a story like Joe Buck did, is Joe Buck now in trouble? <laughs> Joe Buck talked about peeing in a bottle while he's broadcasting. I don't. I don't know if I need to hear that. I don't mind it, but are we you know, sensitive to the point enough where we're like, "Hey, crude, crude action, man! I don't need to hear this. Bad story. You're disgusting, I'm, Joe Buck. I'm are sure. we losing control with our broadcasters? I'm sure someone somewhere is." <laughs> 
upset. Of, I didn't need to know that you were urinating while calling a game. Like, and that sure. is, and that is the thing. Uh, like, I can make a lot of jokes now. Like, how big was the bottle? But I'm not going to do that. Well, I think he was describing. It's a, it's a crude. It's a crude remark. I think he was saying it was like a bucket, and then he, they switched to a bottle. Like, there was shut a whole, up. Oh, it was yeah. a bucket at first. It started. There was. What is he? A horse? It's like a whole thing. How the much urine thing? was he letting out? That's well, a lot because he was holding it in the whole half. Supposedly, uh, the bathrooms were too far. It was that old Milwaukee County Stadium. The bathrooms were too far from the press box. That can happen. And he was probably doing. He's, was he doing solo? No, uh, it was wow. actually. Um, I I actually know there was somebody. I, I saw. I was reading the story. Sorry, and I, there was definitely at some point the the color commentator uh, jumped in. And tried to fill some time. Well, how about the point where he got he was ready to freaking burst and he had to pee in a bucket or a bottle? That's probably where the commentator jumped in. But yeah, or he is this kind of guy, or, or is this guys being guys? Like they, he was going to get a he's a young broadcaster and he's going to get kicked out of it. <laughs> I mean, possibly, possibly. Uh, who knows what was going on? But we do know based on some people that tried to do a deep dive that he, people tried to do a deep dive. He's probably lying. Why? Well. They went through. He was very specific in what in what he was talking about, um, and he said uh, that he called a touchdown at Milwaukee County Stadium in a game between the Falcons and the Packers. Okay, well, please don't tell me that they what they're going to call him on a lie there. I mean, he might have got the wrong game. Well, uh, if you look back, the only game between the Falcons and the Packers at Milwaukee County Stadium because that state the stadium has a lot to do with the story because the the bathrooms are far away from it, the it has to be there. So it had yeah, to be there. Yeah. And the only game that they played against each other was December 18th, 2004. Memorable game because it was the game that Sterling Sharp suffered his career-ending injury. Um, He said that he was trying to go during the commercial break. They came out of break. He was still going, and he had to call a touchdown while it happened. Fortunately, that game, in its entirety, the broadcast is on YouTube. Oh, my God. People try to blow up a story by doing this. So they went back, and they tried to find the touchdown that happened just out of a, a commercial break. Yeah doesn't exist didn't happen so somewhere in his story yeah. the details are wrong now do you, i will do, make do you believe argument. do you believe at some point during a broadcast he peed in a bottle because he he had to go so badly yeah. probably yeah. he probably has the wrong game and this is this is what i'm saying and people like, remember and people remember different things i'm not going to get into the specific story but i know another broadcaster who told a story about an event here and i don't i do not recall the event and i was there and i'm in the story i do not recall the event the way that person did but it's right. also it's 25 years ago. I mean, I could tell you, uh, you know, doing college play-by-play, I mean, I could throw out, I, I don't know, it was a soccer game, and I think I was at Lehigh or Lafayette, and I just remember having no tissues, and I literally drank, uh, I don't know, gallons of my own snot. It just would not stop. <laughs> Uh, right, but but someone could go. I mean, I don't matter, and who cares? But someone could go back and be like, oh, they didn't play that team on their own that year. Like, okay. I, I believe him that he probably he had a situation. It was Tim Green, by the way. Okay. Was the color analyst. Okay. Uh, there is one commercial break where they come back. Well, I would think he would remember it. And it sounds like Tim Green is filling time. Okay. But there's no touchdown. Oh, okay. So they got that part wrong. He got that part wrong. <laughs> but but what I, I think I think you're on to the right thing of like he probably misremembers certain details about the story. He tells the story the way he wants to tell it. Yeah. It's not he's not lying. People are annoying. Dial it down. Right. It's a fun story. Hold on. I think it's fun to go look for it too. I think it's oh, fun God. to go but I don't think 
I think it's fun to go find all these details, which this is all spelled out. It's, it gives every touchdown that was scored. Uh, it says it could be the touchdown that uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward scored with 638 remaining in the second quarter, but they didn't come out of commercial break. It was at the end of a long drive. So it's like, I love the, the digging into the details of it and trying to get to the bottom of it, but I don't think the end should be. Well, he's lying. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Adamville, you mentioned that the numbers for big dogs winning outright, nothing's happening, right, in the NFL. Um, favorites are actually covering at a in those situations where it's double digit dogs are covering at a record rate as compared to we had a long run there where you could bet double digit dogs blindly and you were hit at like 62 percent it's corrected itself over the last four or five years so give me the double digit dog here on the super contest card that you'd be afraid to play so bills minus 13 and a half against the dolphins rams minus 14 and a half against the texans Bengals are 10 and a half against the Jets. And by the way, the Chiefs tick below 10. They're now nine and a half against the Giants. But those three games I mentioned, Brown, I check that Bengals, Rams, Bills. Well, I mean, I'll start by saying I'm 100% playing the Chiefs. That's absolutely happening. Um, I'm <laughs> leaning toward the Bills. Really? Um, and by the way, you really want to get into gaming here. Coming from me, this might sound shocking. Bet Josh Allen to win the MVP right now. Okay. They have like six games against Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, you've been pounding it that that you should, that they have a lot of easy games the rest of the way. I think what their next three is Jets, Jacksonville, Dolphins. And I think then they replay that, (laughs) those three again at some point. It's insane. Like they're going to win every game by 30 points the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, I, I so I think I would I would lean Bills, the Chiefs I'll be taking. I think the Rams are going to blow out the Texans because I do think it's going to be Davis Mills again, even though Tyrod is back at practice. Um, so that only leaves one, right? There's only one one other one on there. I don't love it either. Yeah, I, I, like I usually am. I'll, I'll say this: uh, I was four and one in the Super Contest last week. The one loss, Texans. Can you really bet Josh Allen MVP at four to one now? Well, they must know that number too. Um, I mean, they must know the schedule that's coming up also. Yep. Four to one. Yeah. Murray's the favorite at three fifty. Josh Allen's four to one. Dak Prescott is plus four fifty. I want to address this next hour. Where are the Raiders? Where are they really at right now? What do the numbers say? They're five and two. Um, I said they'd be five and two, right? Should I be like, I'm the only person in the country? It's not a fan or affiliated with the team. We said they'd be five and two, and I said it when the the second the schedule came out, just a couple of seconds after that. Uh, should I bet Raiders not to make the playoffs? Plus one fifteen now, not to make the playoffs. Hold that thought. Big five is on the way. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.